Brothers and sisters, to, to your own heart, do you love him? I asked you last week, didn't I? It was the week before. Do you love him, the Lord Jesus Christ? Does your heart worship him? We're going to do a third week. There are different ways to worship, but there's only one whom we worship. Some people will worship quietly, and that's fine. Others will worship in different ways. But we're going to show you some ways of how our expressions are in worship. And we're, we've looked in at uh, principles and, pro, and posture in prayer and praise. And we've looked at it for two Sunday mornings. And what I want to do this morning is just to show you a few more. You know, some people say, well, what about raising hands or even clapping? Is that in the Bible? Yes, yes it is. And we're going to start, um, if you'll go to First Kings chapter 8, please. There's many of them, but I'm just going to pick a few out. And if you go to First Kings chapter 8. And just let your eye run down. You see the verse 22. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. That's the called out. That's those who wanted to be in the house of the Lord. That's those who wanted to come under the sacrifice unto the Lord. That's those who had gathered out of the the people. I wonder how many didn't come. All Israel, the people, maybe would have had times when they would have ventured But notice, this is a dedication. When Solomon's dedicating the temple of the Lord, and in the new covenant, we're the temple of the Lord. This building isn't the temple. We're glad that we have somewhere to congregate, and we're glad we have somewhere to meet. But this isn't the... The building isn't the the temple. We're the temple of the Lord. Now, notice this. And spread forth his hands towards heaven. And spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee. Would you say amen to that? There's none like him. In heaven above, nor on earth beneath, who keepeth covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. And let your eye run down just for time's sake to verse 38, please. Let's go, yeah, verse 38. What prayer and supplication soever is made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall, show, shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. So Solomon is in the house, spreading his hands to God. And he said, for those who aren't here and out there, and what they did was they spread forth their hands toward Jerusalem. They spread forth their hands toward the temple. Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive. And do and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou only knowest the hearts of all the children of men. Isn't that what the Spirit said to us this morning? I know your hearts. And then when we go to verse 54, please. And it was so that when Solomon made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication 
unto the Lord. He arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. Notice, he ends up on his knees with his hands spread to heaven. He then gets up. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promises. Isn't that beautiful? There has not failed one word of all of his good promise. It's not it's hit and miss with God. It's not that he says it, then it fails, or it says it and it doesn't come to pass. He says there's not failed one good word of his promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses' servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that what the Lord says? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee. You know what it means in the original text? It's what's known as the improper verb. I've taught you before. I will never, 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 never leave thee. Nor will I ever, 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 ever forsake thee. And back to front, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Thee, forsake thee, never, nor leave thee, never will I. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Thee, forsake thee, nor leave thee, never will I. It's the same back to front. And here's Solomon saying, when we're praying, lift up your hands. Now, we don't need to pray towards Jerusalem. We don't do that. But we lift up our hands because we are the temple. We lift up our hands in the congregation. And we pray toward the Lord, our God. Turn with me to the Psalms. Let's go to Psalm 28. Psalm 28, please. And notice here, let's just read from verse 1. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Notice the supplication in the voice of the prayer. You know, God hears the, the prayer. I understand that. God hears the simplest of prayers, and he does. But here it's not a case of this is ritual, this is rigmarole, as we would say, this is ceremony. We have to go through all this. See, God, this is a man from the heart. Lord, I go down to the pit if you don't step into the situation. I don't know what to do where I am in this place. So you get the the voice of the prayer. You get the, the sense of the prayer. You get the heart of the prayer. You get the supplication of the prayer. Brothers and sisters, don't be afraid to supplicate from the Spirit out through the body onto the Lord. Notice this and what he says. Verse 2, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee. Notice, when I lift up my heart toward thy holy oracle. That's a strange word, isn't it? Toward thy holy oracle. What's the psalmist meaning here? He knows if God doesn't step in, he's finished. He knows there's no man can help him. 
No, nothing he can do to change his situation. Voice of comfort might be far away from others. And even when they do, it doesn't really hit home the same. So he lifts his hands and his voice and he lifts his eyes to heaven. The Holy Oracle here gives the idea. It means if we stretch out our our empty hands, we are as beggars. Lord, I need you. I'm destitute here. I'm a bad way. We stretch out our hands. We are as beggars, empty hands. We lift them up for we are need of his heavenly supply. So I need you. We are in need of his heavenly supply. And we lift them towards the mercy seat, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is our expectation of our only hope. I want you to get it. For there is our expectation of our only hope. What's our only hope? Is believing that if he answers when he hears, that he is the only one that can do it. Believing without doubting. The idea is your holy oracle. Christ is the holy oracle. Christ is the word of God, the eternal word of the Father. Christ is the one who became flesh and now is seated at the right hand of God. And so the holy oracle, what he means is I'm lifting my eyes and lifting my hands, Lord Jesus, to you. You're the holy oracle of God. Come down and rescue me. Lifting of hands. Sometimes we're told it's not in the Bible, aren't we? So let's, let's go on just a few, a few more. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 63. <coughs> Psalm 63. Verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. Notice, you have to understand the the communication going on here. David's in the wilderness of Judah. and The dryness of the land is like the soul of David. The soul of David is mirrored by the dryness of the wilderness. Do you get the idea where this man is now? And he's going, I'm dry. And I'm thirsty, God, God. But what are we thirsty for? Do we get thirsty when we go through dry patches in life because we're thirsty and we go through, so we try and substitute what we, what the only one who can quench our thirst with activities, busyness of life? Brothers and sisters, it's good to be busy. But if busyness means you put God down here, you'll fall away from God. It's where your soul your soul yearns for and is thirsty for. And here he's saying, in the busyness of life can be a thirsty place, a barrenness of the soul. And you and I know what that's like. Here he's out on a desert and he says, see like this, he could lift it as it were, a handful of sand and dried soil. That's like my soul at the moment. I'm thirsty. So where do we thirst after? Is it the pleasures of the world? Some people get that, get that far away from God. They call them dry. And instead of looking for the water supply, they run to the world's 
supply. They run to try and patch them. See, the flesh, they, you get it mixed up between spirit and flesh. And so the, the, the emotional spirit man or flesh man, uh, he, he is warring against the spirit of God. The spirit of God is saying, no, it's this way. It's here you drink. And man tends to not drink there, but rather go and the pool of friends and the pool of nights out uh, and the pool of of forgetting that God even exists. You see, we, we start to feed and we start to feast and we start to drink at those tables. And when we start to feed and drink and at those tables, we think that we're, we're, we're filling the hole because temporarily we feel better. But it's not the feeling. It's not the feeling, it's the spirit in the man and woman is dying. The communication, the fellowship of man and woman before God ceases. And the spirit that's thirsty doesn't drink, dies. Maybe you're in a place where you're saying, oh, so far away, or I've let things go a bit. Listen, that's your thirst. You know it. God's showing you the river. That's the thirst. That's where you need to say, okay, I'm thirsty, Lord. I'm coming for a drink. Jesus said in John 4 to the woman at the well that there's, there's waters that men and women drink from. That is natural waters, but we thirst again because it's to the flesh. He says, but I'll give you water. It's rivers of living water that out of your belly, yeah? right from your inner man and woman, you'll be flowing with the Holy Ghost, flowing with the water of the Spirit. And where is it? The well that Sakir's well where Jesus met the woman? No. Yes, we need to drink water to, to stay, uh, keep our body healthy. Yes, to stay alive in that sense. But in the spirit, we need to drink at the water that Christ gives. So where do we, where do we yearn for? Say as a pastor, know that I noticed. It comes and goes in waves. And sometimes you notice when individuals some more than others. You know, so sometimes it happens in the church. It's like a, a wave comes across the church, washes some people out, and some manage to get back in again. And others don't. You know why? Because they've made themselves too busy. They've made themselves... Uh, they, some people have prayed for jobs, and the Lord's gave it to them, and they decided they want to work on a Lord's Day because... It'll give them overtime or something, you know. And it breaks the fellowship with their brothers and sisters. And it takes them away from the Lord's table in the morning. It takes them away from even the Sunday evening. That Sunday evening where we're hearing others to build ourselves up and what the prophetic word says, building ourselves up to, to what the gospel says, preaching about the blood and the cross. And you know what happens? You just die. You start to die. Fool ourselves to believe we're okay. And sometimes we're away from God that much that we don't go into the place the way we used to be. We're not in the place even in church the way we used to be. And things start to drift. People say, you don't need to, be a, you don't need to be a, uh, go to church to be a Christian. That's true. But I don't know any Christian that's done well that doesn't go to a good assembly to hear the word of God. I don't know any. Oh, they'll say, they'll say it, and they'll cross T's and dot I's, but they're fooling themselves. For the scripture says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. 
Do you know what the original text really says? Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. You know what it means? It says, stop letting down your brothers and sisters when they're meeting together for worship. That's what the original text says. That's what it means. We fool ourselves and our heart's desire. Our heart's desire becomes more for the world or for the flesh than it does for the things of God. So where does our heart lie and what does our soul seek after? Psalmist says, my soul thirsteth for thee. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters, do you miss him? When you're not close to him, I've asked you last week, do you miss him? See, when I'm, I'm feeling that bereavement, that's what it's like to me. I'm conscious of him. And there's a, sometimes just a feel that I'm not as conscious as I used to be. And I feel like a bereavement in my spirit. But he hasn't went anywhere. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Guess who's moved? Guess who's went away? Guess who's walked and strayed? It's us. And he says, just come and drink. Just come and eat. Come and speak. Talk to me. My soul thirsteth for thee. Notice my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. See the difference now he's showing it? To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So, see, whenever you're among here and, and the group's playing so well, and, uh, you know, I, I, struggle, I strike up things and there's no such keys, you know. It's like, oh, here he goes, he's singing in the key of Yale, you know. <laughs> there's no such keys in the music, and they're trying their best to try and help me. In the sanctuary, when the word's being preached and when you're among each other, it's there, we, you know, we, we find the strength and we see and feel, we sense, we experience, you know, we're aware, we're conscious, we're privileged that you're with us. We know all of these things. See when you go home. See when you go and close your door. And I go and close my door. He's still the same, you know. He's still the same. Brother, do you live your life before your family? Sister, do you? Before your children? Because I said this before or something along the same lines. Brother, if you go home and you're nasty to your wife, or wife nasty to the husband, you know, your children will pick that up. And your daughters will think that that's acceptable for whenever their husband comes along. And your son will think that's acceptable for whenever he picks a wife and treats her the same. Do they see you? Do they hear language come out of you that shouldn't come out of a Christian? Notice, in the sanctuary, or whether we're at home, he remains the same. Are you conscious of him? He says, I have seen thee in the sanctuary because, and I love this, this is one of my most favorite verses. I sing this around the house. I say it almost every day. Really, I do. Almost every day when I'm praying. 
Because thy loving kindness is better than life. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Who knows that we tune? Thy loving kindness is better than life. Let's see Hans, who knows it? A few of us. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands unto thy name. See, you sing it. And many saying, oh, I'll praise you. And your heart's stirred. But many lift their hands up. People say, it's Old Testament, these lifting up of hands, and it's not really in the new. Well, we'll, we'll look at it in a minute. Uh, and the thing is, is, it's Old Testament. So then Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. <laughs> And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And and the congregation say, Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I want to bless you with all my heart and soul. Amen. So will we cut that out and not bless the Lord? Because it's Old Testament. The Lord is my shepherd. Cut that out then. I shall not want. Cut that out then. If it's Old Testament. He says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Now notice verse 5. Here we're going into the, the filling of the Spirit. My soul shall be satisfied. With marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Notice when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Why? Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Who lies in bed at night and talks to the Lord? I'm sure all of us nearly do. Sometimes I feel that the Lord is sick listening to me. I'm lying at night... And I can't sleep. I'm going, oh, Lord, I'm just thinking about this. And, I can't. and then I roll over to that side. Lord, I was just thinking about this. And then I roll over to that side. And talk to him all night. How is it, through this study, we've seen people walking, standing, kneeling, lying, flat on their face, pr- pr- walking up and down. Now here's one who prays lying on their bed. <laughs> And he hears us. See every prayer that you've prayed laying on your bed. We've had two be young ones this week, especially as others. Two be young ones. We babies. Ill. Stephen and Grace's we grandson. And Jeffrey McCulloch's. Don't think Jeffrey's here today, sure he's not. And the thing is, I'm sure they lay in bed at night. Every thought of the mind and sometimes every, every prayer, silent prayer of the heart is heard louder in heaven than the loudest voice you can shout. 
Do you remember uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal? And they were, he says, you call upon your God and I'll call upon mine. And they built the altars. Remember, and they jumped up and down in the altar and they cut themselves with stones and they were hollering and shouting. And Elijah was saying, shout louder in case he's on a holiday or maybe he's on the toilet. <laughs> he was saying, all their hollering and shouting, all their jumping and all their cutting. Your silent prayers heard greater and louder than all of that. You know why? Because you know who you're praying to. You know who's listening to you because you belong to him. So I will lift up my hands unto thy name. Let's turn to another one because time is really flying on. Let's go to Psalm 88, please. Psalm 88. Let's just read verse 9. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders unto the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Selah. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark? And thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Notice the, the very depths. And if you look at the title at the top, Psalm 88, the title, if you notice, it's a masculine. Notice that? Remember from part one what that means? Learn from it. An instruction of what to do. And so he writes this in the spirit. And what is he saying? He says, Lord, mine eye mourneth by reason of my affliction. I can't stick this anymore. And I've lifted my hands to you daily. And he's waiting for God to answer his prayer. But never does he give up. Never does he stop. And so he lifts his hands up in his affliction and in supplication. Verse 14, Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Do you ever feel like that? Where are you, Lord? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about to gather. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance. In the darkness. You know what he's saying? Lord, there's nobody can help me. Nobody has stood with me. And I'm feeling all alone. Only you can hear my prayer. Now it looks like as if uh, this has been something that has been written because, you know, there's no hope at the end of it. But the word masculine means it's written for us to learn, to hear, to understand. So when it's being sung, He's saying, understand what this means. That there's times when you feel that there's no answer to your prayer and your posture may be on your knees, on your feet, or on your face. But he hears every single prayer and he won't let you down. He won't let you down. I'm having to move quickly from these. 
Um, let's go, please, to <clears throat> uh, Psalm 119. This is a little bit different, this one, Psalm 119. And let's just read verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Notice, I'm going to speak what you have done, Lord. I'm going to speak how great you are, what you've done, what you do, how you've blessed. And then he says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments. See, his his commandments are not grievous, brothers and sisters, when you love him. The commandments are grievous to the sinner. The commandments are grievous to the unregenerate. His commandments are grievous. That is his moral commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Well, sure, we don't want to kill. We we think of the the, the horrific uh, uh, abortion legislation that's been put into Northern Ireland. We're horrified at it. It's not just we're offended. We're horrified. Absolutely horrified. Thou shalt not kill. It's murder. And you know why his commandments are not grievous to us? Because we love him. And we love him because he first loved us. Notice, we can go through the commandments and yes, many of us fail in points. But we want to walk right before him and he's saying here, I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Notice, my hands also will I lift up to thy commandments which I have loved and I will meditate in thy statutes. Okay, so Psalm 134. One hundred and thirty-four, please. And let's just read. It's only three verses. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Notice, who knows that we tune? How many know it? Come bless the Lord. All ye servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord, and bless the Lord. Okay, see now, will you sing it and then lift up your hands when it says it? (laughs) Eh? Because we can sing it, but we don't do it. And yet we can, oh, we want to bless you. But what we're not left up our hands because we were told that's not right. Come bless the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. See, isn't it better already? Do you know when a child is walking? Funny, I was telling a young uh, fella, um, a young preacher. I'll not go, not say who he is, but um, so he he messaged me on Friday. I need some advice. Can I come and see you? And Alison and Ian and all the leaders were away too. What do you call up this? We are vertigo, and. Uh, 
I thought, I'm going to get the night, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a time of prayer and just enjoy the... So my, my door wrapped about 6.30. And this young man was there. Anyway, he came in and till 10 to 9, sat and talked about him preaching and the things and the opposition he's came against and all that sort of stuff. And I said to him, look, sometimes we need... We need to learn to walk, even in our ministry and in our preaching. I told him, I says, look, when I was a wee boy, and I don't remember it, my mum and dad told me it, when I was a wee boy, apparently I wouldn't walk, and my mum was getting worried. So a bit like our Ellie, she was like that. She wouldn't walk until Alison's dad happened to see her walking across the living room pretending she couldn't walk. She was that sneaky. She says, she's walking all right. She was. Why couldn't walk or didn't walk? I don't, I don't remember. And my dad used to race pigeons. He had the big pigeon loft and all that sort of stuff. So he used to take young birds and bring them in on the wee nest box and rear them up if their mother or whatever had, had taken ill or maybe in a race and had been lost or whatever. And he used to nurture them himself. And I used to always sit watching these pigeons. So he took a pigeon one time. And he lifted it up. And my mum says, I'm worried about him. Called me Kenneth. Says, our Kenneth won't walk. And he says, watch this. He says, right, Kenneth, come on. And partly I got up and just walked across the kitchen and started stroking the bird. And I told him the story. And he says, well, why, what's, he was wondering, what's that got to do with anything? I said, look, the object isn't, the object of it isn't for me to catch the pigeon. The object was to teach me to walk. I thought it was I have to get that pigeon. And sometimes in God's uh, leading, we think we're going that way and we're walking, we're serving the Lord. And all of a sudden we find we're away down there, but we're where God has brought us. But we thought it should have been here. And he was like this with his ministry and he didn't know what to do and he was... Older men were despising his youth. And I said, sometimes even in our worship, God brings us in somewhere else and deeper in our worship. Sometimes we think, well, we have to do this because this is what we do. You know what you're doing? You're catching the pigeon. No, you're doing that bit. He's not teaching you to catch a pigeon. He wants you to walk. And it's learning how to walk. Listen, and this may sound silly to some You need to learn to worship him. Learn to worship. You can catch the pigeon every meeting if you want. But you learn to worship. You learn from the heart. You're drawn in by the spirit. You're conscious of his presence. You're sensing the anointing on you. And listen, it's like me going for the pigeon. If a child's in danger, a child gets hurt, first thing they do is they run to mommy or daddy, don't they? It's, it's a natural thing. It's in us. So what about when you come before your heavenly father? You're hurting, you're frightened, or you're sick, or you're worried, you're stressed, or you just want to love him. You want to know his embrace. You want him to lift you up.
Father. <coughs> Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, that Lord that made heaven and the earth. Bless the year of Zion. I'm watching the time. I want to do a couple more and then we're going to close. Um, Because of that many written down. Let's go to Psalm 141. It's very close to us. First one says, Lord, I will cry unto thee, make haste unto thee, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Notice, on the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know what we have here? We have a foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. He's on the cross and he's going, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then in the evening sacrifice at around our time, 3 p.m., he bows his head on a pulseless breast, he gives up the ghost. His hands are towards his father. And so the psalmist. Uh, through the spirit of prophecy, is speaking these words. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The way your son has spoken by the giving of his life, Father. When you're coming before him this morning, brother, let's just... Forget about, well, maybe you're thinking, what time is it? I wonder is that chicken going to be burnt by the time I get home? I don't know. Maybe you're thinking that or not. Let's just, let's just draw close a wee second. Well, let, let, let's, let me try and minister here. Asking the Spirit to help me. Father, evening sacrifice has been done. The blood has been shed. And as his prayer and cry has went up onto you, the stretching out of his hands, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? Because he has done that. And you are in him. And you come before him. It's like you're stepping from one room into another. From the worldliness of flesh and carnality to the spirit. Father. Sometimes I do that literally. Still on that stage. But to me, it's I'm stepping out of all of this. I'm stepping in to your presence. He hath consecrated a new and living way for us to go into the holy place. You know the word consecrated? You know what it means? A new and living way. He sat down once and for all. So it's not a, a sacrificial offering through a mass or any other way. It's a once and for all. 
I knew him living wide. You know what it gives the idea of? A lamb was slain. Remember they brought the Ark of the Covenant in? To Jerusalem. David brought it in wrong the first time on a new cart, remember? And then it wasn't accepted. Well, then they carried it in as God had said, and David slew an animal. And he slew another animal. Slew another one the whole way down the road. You think of all that. Gallons and pints. Liters of blood. Everywhere. He had them slain. The priests were covered. Think of their feet. Think of their garments. Think of their hands. They're up their arms. The people and the blood. The blood was everywhere. Blood everywhere. The whole way down the road, the whole way up and into the temple, blood everywhere. That's the idea of a new and living way. The blood of Jesus when he died in Calvary, when he shed forth his precious blood for us, it's more powerful than all the blood of bulls and goats and all other animals. It stands once and for all. It will never be repeated again. And it means the blood is as fresh today before our Heavenly Father as that blood was before David as he slew those animals. The blood still speaks in glory. The blood still speaks to your Father. Father, Lift my hands to you. Hear my prayer. You're my father. And I come through the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to show you one more and then we'll close this. This is something different Mm -hmm. for you. I have have a whole lot of others, but that'll do. And, you know, I think of 1 Timothy 2 and 8 when Paul says that he would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Lifting up holy hands. In Luke 24 and 50, Jesus blessed his his disciples. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. But here's our last one. Psalm 47. You see in all honesty... In all honesty, when we, when we sense the Lord, we draw nigh to the blood. And I'm hoping it's not just me. When we speak of the blood of the Lord Jesus, you can feel it. You can feel it right in your soul. There's something about it that speaks deep into their deep inner recesses of the spirit. The blood. The spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. See preachers that won't preach the blood? I wonder, are they even born of God? Because when you're born of God, you can't help lift up the blood. And speak of the blood of Christ. Psalm 47 verse 1. Last reading. Oh clap your hands. All ye people. Shout unto God. With a voice of triumph. Now. You ready? You ready? Let's all stand.
Set down your Bible. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? Has God blessed you? Has he saved you? Has he forgiven you? You know what we're going to do? We're going to bless him. What are we going to do? We're going to shout with a voice of triumph. We're going to hallelujah and praise the Lord. Come on, don't be afraid to do it. And let's clap our hands. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, brothers and sisters. Praise the name of Jesus. We bless you out of Zion, O God. We give you glory and praise and honor. For thou alone are worthy. Hallelujah. Blessed be his glorious and his matchless and his powerful name. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Now he gets the glory, you see. And what's the scripture say? Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible. He's a king over all the earth. He is our king. The king of kings. Teams, will you come up and we'll finish, please.